0: I think what we're talking about in this five-part series, aside from the gospel of Christ, our core doctrines, is as important a subject as we will deal with as a church, because all of the right intentions mean nothing if relationships break down, and relationships break down in churches, in families, because communication breaks down. When Vitt and I were traveling full-time doing uh, concert and speaking work in our early years of marriage, we were at a Mennonite camp for a week, very serious about pacifism, which you know is is one of the core doctrines of, of the Mennonite faith. When you first walked in, you had this great sense of this peace because everybody was very peaceable. But yet, as the week went on, and we became friends with the various key staff families, they let us know all that's driving them crazy about each other. (laughs) Under the surface, it was actually one of the most tumultuous organizations that Vitt and I ever remember being a part of, because they weren't speaking truth in love. Language is an unbelievably powerful thing, and we use it almost 24-7. When you wake up, you're framing ideas in your mind. Language is a part of that. It's not long before you're talking to someone in the house or someone on the phone. At night, what do you do? You review the day's conversations. There's language going on in your head while you're sleeping. When there's nobody around, we talk to ourselves. There's a conversation going on in our head between me and myself. And when I'm really confused, me, myself, and I all get in on it. I've learned that I actually, when I do talk to myself, move my mouth. (laughs) I didn't know that until my daughter Ella a few years ago, who, when she was in high school, had the spiritual gift of mockery, (laughs) made sure that I knew that I was sitting there going... Language is a pervasive reality in our lives. It's one of God's great gifts, and we tend to underestimate the significance and overlook the power of words. Think about it God spoke, let there be, and there was. Our use of language is part of our reflecting the creative nature of God. Every time you and I speak, we are creating. I want you to look with me at the book of Proverbs, and let's just say this together. Words satisfy the mind as much as fruit does the stomach. Good talk is as gratifying as a good harvest. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Say. That's how powerful language is. Many of us long for real communication with those that mean the most to us, and yet these comments are probably very common. I never thought when we were first together that he would talk to me the way he does today. I can't believe what I'm hearing when my son talks to me. She hung up on me right in the middle of a sentence. My parents never talk to me unless I'm in trouble. He only talks to me nicely when he wants something. He talks so much it's hard to get a word in edgewise. I'm not comfortable with the way she talks to me about other people. He talked a long time, but I didn't have a clue about what he was trying to say. That's that that poster that says, I know you think you understand what I said, but what I don't think you understand is that what you heard me say is not what I meant. What happened? We seem to be so close, but now we hardly ever talk. I feel like I spend all my time breaking up my kids' arguments. Yes, he asked for forgiveness, but I'm having a hard time letting go of the hurt. What he said to me was so cruel. I wish my family could go through one entire day without somebody yelling. I don't know why I waste my time talking. It doesn't seem to make a bit of difference. We'll never get to the bottom of things if everyone keeps speaking at once. She always has to have the last word. (laughs) It would be better if we just didn't talk at all. How familiar are those feelings in your experience? We learned last week that as much as we desire real communication, that we are broken people. That we come from a fallenness that is about guilt, hiding, blaming, And the truth is, the words that come out of my mouth are as much about what I'm trying to hide or what I'm trying to avoid as they are about what I'm actually trying to communicate. We learn that through the cross, we have the capacity of being new creations and starting fresh and living within shalom peace, learning to speak truth in love to one another. And that's what we are in pursuit of in this series, is how to be life-giving in our conversations. We're going to be in James chapter 3 and 4 today. I'm going to ask you to turn there with me. I'm going to read all of chapter 3 right through to the first verse of chapter 4. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, well, he's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. I like James. He's the, like, no-nonsense writer in the New Testament. He's the one that says, yeah, yeah, you're saved by faith, but show it to me. Live it out. And when he says this, you kind of wonder what kind of church business meetings he's been in. Got some strong opinions about how damaging words can be. Verse 7, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil." For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure. Then, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Now, verse 1 of 4. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? The real source of our conflict isn't so much in the words as it is in all that's happening underneath. And that's why today we're going to break down a conversation. We're going to look at how conversations take place and how they go wrong. Here's the first slide. This is what most of us think of as a simple conversation, right? I say something, you listen, you hear me. You say something, I hear you. When we think of it this way and it goes wrong, who do we think is to blame usually? The other person. It's not my fault. It's not me. It's got to be you. So if we think of communication as this simple, and I know I'm not to blame, And it must be you. What are the things I think of you? What are reasons why I think you're blowing it? You don't care? You're not listening? Come on, say it. Thank you. You must be stupid. Or your husband. Okay. You know, I do provide counseling, Uh, we will do personal follow up uh, sessions. There are actually four levels of things happening in relation to a conversation. I'm going to ask David to put those up for us. This is what really is going on. There's what I want to say, and there's what I actually say. Then there's what you hear me say, and then finally there's what you think and tell yourself about what you heard me say. Now, why would you think that what I want to say is typically not what I actually say? What are some of the things that get in the way of me Sharing what's in my head. All right. So sometimes we're afraid to say what we're really feeling, so we hint at it or go around it. What else? You don't want conflict. You're afraid of the reaction. Here's a gracious one. Sometimes we just don't say what we're thinking. We just don't get it all out. Vitt and I had this little conversation yesterday where we were talking about plans for... um, Visiting the girls on campus doing a little Valentine's thing and we're talking and we're just missing completely I'm trying to lay out this plan we've got and I feel like it's very clear She is thinking her ideas are clear and then we realized that I was thinking about today She was thinking about Monday. It's just that simple and that led to a very interesting conversation I thought what a difference a day makes 24 little hours I'm assuming certain things are understood, so they don't come out of my mouth. That's all it was. Nobody ever fully puts out in words what they're feeling. And here's the last reason. What we're feeling is so complicated. It's coming from so many different places that there's no way we could ever communicate at all. So the first thing we have to recognize is that what comes out of my mouth is at best an attempt at what I'm thinking. A little more humility in our thoughts. Alright? Then, is it possible that someone can hear something other than what somebody says? Does it happen? Is it always because the person doesn't care or isn't listening or is stupid? Have you ever sat in a setting where someone swears they heard you say something and you swear you said something else? You know the story where you sit around and somebody tells somebody something and then they whisper it to the next person, whisper it to the next person. By the time you get around, they try to say what it is. How many have ever played that game and actually had the last thing be what the first person said? We don't hear accurately. It's just a fact of life. But then even more... What we react to isn't really what we're hearing. It's what we interpret you mean or its impact on us or where we think you're insinuating. That's what we're reacting to. There's a huge world going on inside of us that comes to play every time we try to have a conversation with people, all right? And that impacts our expectations going into the conversation. It impacts the words we share. It impacts how we receive the words. What are some of those things that are part of your filters that impact uh, when you're communicating? What are some of those things? Okay, your hurts. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We're going to call this my filter, my internal filter. All right? My hurts. That's a very deep aspect every hurt you've ever experienced is part of what you carry with you. Every hurt, the people that hurt you, impacts how you react to people like them who come into your life. The hurts you're currently experiencing and have no resolution for. The hurts that have occurred in your past about which you've received no closure. See, those are things that we just carry with us. They are definitely part of the filters through which we look at life. And all we know is that we see life. We don't really see the filters that are impacting our perception. What are some other things? Concerns. Concerns. Sure. What? Fear. Fear. Expectations. Expectations. Okay. Dan said bias. Somebody back here? Insecurities. Let's make that fears. I want to talk a bit about biases. I want to refer to that as belief systems. And what I mean by belief systems is not our Christian faith. What I mean by belief system are the things that we believe about life, about people. We all have a set of ideas about how things ought to be. And if people do this, this is the outcome, or this is how certain people are all the time, you can call them biases because they certainly are. Some examples of faulty belief systems. The woman that says no men can be trusted, a belief based on obvious hurt in her life, but it's not true. What happens when that woman takes that filter into her relationships? She has expectations that eventually she'll find a reason not to trust that person. Or she picks people over and over again that just prove that men can't be trusted. You see, one example. But we all do that. We do that in all sorts of ways. All right, fear. I think all of us have a core insecurity that also produces a core need in our life. All right, for me, for instance, my core need is affirmation, to have people think well of me. I'm not sure why. I can point to some experiences in my life that brought me to that. It can definitely get in my way. What I had to learn was that I would come into most conversations not just wanting to communicate clearly, but wanting to make sure at the end, you thought better of me than when you started the conversation. It was a hidden agenda that was built on my core need or my core fear of not being valued. See, we all, based on how we're wired and how we've been brought up, have some fear like that. Yours may be totally different, but we all have it. It's always at play. And you know that little voice in your head that's talking 24-7? Oh, come on. You, you, you know it. Some of you have given it a name. <laughs> There's a voice talking to you constantly, telling you what you should think about what you're hearing, what you're seeing, what you're watching. You can't trust that voice that voice is broken. That voice lies to you. What are some other pieces of that filter? Defensiveness. Defensiveness. Sure. Personality type. There's There's a good side to each of us in that, and there's a downside, right? Beliefs, hurts, needs, fears, dreams. The things we're longing for, especially as we get older, seeing those dreams become farther and farther out of reach creates a lot of angst. Our history, every conversation you've ever had, every decision you've ever made, the good or bad results of every one of those decisions and conversations, they all have created a filter that impacts how you react to situations as they're presented. James 4 verse 1. Why do quarrels among you and fights exist? Don't they come from your needs, desires that battle within you? So there is no learning to communicate just by saying, here's five things to say to make your wife happy. Call my number, and in 30 seconds, I'll give you the words to make your child act perfectly. 100% money-back guarantee. A lot of people know how to manipulate their words to get what they want. That doesn't mean they're actually communicating. It means they're using language to get their way. Communication has to be a meeting of the minds. Better yet, it has to be heart to heart. Real communication doesn't happen until the connection of where I'm really coming from, which is much more complex than the words I'm trying to use to share it, is experienced and understood by you, and you react to it and respond to it in a way that gives life and blessing. That's the goal. It's inconsistent to think about being Christians, according to James, when that's not happening, we cannot, with the same mouth, praise our Father and curse men. Divisiveness, envy, discord, the only path that is consistent with a life of praise to God is the life of a peacemaker. That's what James is teaching us. Let's look at this just a little more. Here's another issue with this whole conversation thing. What's happening in our minds happens 10 to 20 times faster than the words that can come out of our mouth. As soon as the first two words come out of my mouth, your brain is trying to fill in all the gaps, decides what I'm going to say. It already decides what it thinks about what I'm going to say, and it doesn't even need to hear me finish. And that's why we interrupt each other. Does that sound familiar? And it's all firing at once. No wonder communication breaks down. So critical to see that. Before I go on, how many feel that generally what I'm sharing is accurate, that this has a ring of truth to it? All right. Is it also true that most often we get really frustrated in conversations and we're really not paying attention to what's happening internally, especially with ourselves? We think we know what's happening internally with the other. We've got them totally judged about what's going on in their head. And we don't even think twice about our voice in our head because for us, it's reality. Life is what we perceive it to be in our thinking, and it isn't. Before the thought even gets into your consciousness to begin to process, it's already passed through every one of these things. It's already been tainted. So if you're truthful and humble about this, you can't even trust your first initial thought about what you're hearing. So let's just say a few things about a simple conversation. I got four thoughts for you on that, okay? First of all, there's no such thing. Obviously, we say things, you know, two hamburgers and a fry. But what I mean in terms of conversation, there is no such thing as a simple conversation. Here's a good example. Just saying, I love you. It's Valentine's weekend, so we're going to get that a lot. It's the one time a year. Some of the men in here will actually find those three words. The problem is you'll have to buy a card that says it for you. You'll underline them with a pen, and that's your way of verbalizing it. (laughs) I love you. Ought to be simple, right? Is it? Why might I be saying I love you? First of all, let's start with the altruistic, because they do. That's certainly a possibility. But why else? They want something. They want something. I love you. What do you want? <laughs> I love you. What did you do? Maybe it's not so much that I love you, but I need you to say you love me back. Right? How do people respond to hearing I love you? I don't believe you. I don't trust. Show me. Mistrust. Have you ever talked to somebody who you, you, you really want to let them know you love them, and they just can't accept it? They just can't receive a verbal affirmation of love because they don't view themselves as worthy of love. Yeah, it's just, I love you. But there's no simple conversations. No such thing. Second, it's nobody's fault. It's nobody's fault. In that we all are coming from a needy and broken place and that means that communication will never be perfect. Understanding will rarely happen the first pass. Third, it's everybody's fault. <laughs> In one sense, we all contribute. So what I'm trying to get us to is recognize that there's a part of communication that is just tough because of who we are. And that we need to give grace to each other. But the other side of the coin is we all need to take responsibility You can't just say, it's your problem. It's not. It's our problem. We all have to be willing to look at our stuff, our filters. If we can't do that, we have no right to ask the other person to look at theirs. So in that sense, it's everyone's fault. And then the fourth thing is, you can choose. You have a choice in your conversations. Nobody ever makes you say or think anything that you don't want to. We can always blame the other person, right? We're always looking for that, but the fact is you are the only person with the fingers on your buttons. You control your buttons. You get to choose between being a source of blessing or cursing, life or death. Simple verse, well-known, might be completely overlooked as a result is James chapter one, verse 19. Let's say this together. Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I think this verse is a gift. I think James is presenting for us the outline for real communication to occur. Let's look at it. The first is, everyone should be quick to listen. I love that. The the language there actually means rush into listening. Why would James say, as the first part of real communication, rush into listening? Why? Yeah. We rush to judge, to conclude, and to speak. So what James is saying is basically, get your listener on ahead of everything that's in your nature to do. That's why you have to do it quickly. Because you have to outpace everything that you want to do. Which is just the opposite. Everyone should be quick to listen. Second, slow to speak, a little less trusting of the voice inside my head. Resist opening your mouth. And then finally, slow. To become angry. I need to be aware that I've got stuff. I need to recognize it's hampering my ability to react too quickly. Before I rush forward and make conclusions, I'm going to hear what you say. I have to respond, not just react. Big difference between the two. All right? So let me just talk before we close about calling a truce on the war of words. And I just want to share a few thoughts that might bring this to a practical end for you. All right, how do we call it truth? First, there's more going on than I understand. How much would you avoid if you weren't so arrogant and stubborn about thinking you got it all and you don't need to listen anymore and, and all you have to do is prove that you were right in the first place? That's probably the great majority of arguments that I get into. I've rushed to judgment. The other person's rushed to judgment. And the whole argument is about just defending what we had concluded at first. There's no discovery process. There's just, I was right about my rush to judgment. You were wrong about your rush to judgment. When the fact is, none of us ever get it right at first. There's more going on than I understand. For me, that discipline, and I'm not going to tell you what my batting average is on it, but that discipline for me is to remind myself to stay curious. Come at a situation and stay curious for a while. Here's one challenge to you for this week. Before you respond to people when they talk to you, ask them a question. And I don't mean a leading question. I don't mean a passive aggressive question that is your opinion. I mean an honest question that gives you an opportunity to explore what they're thinking more. Just to check up a little bit before you open your mouth. What do you think? Could you c- commit to just that and see what happens this week? Wouldn't that be interesting? There's more going on than I understand. Second, I will not rush to anger, which means I will not rush to judgment. I will not allow the fears, hurts, dreams, unmet desires, broken expectations, the history I have with this person or with the world around me, I will not let those things trap me into a response that brings death and brings cursing into this moment. And that leads us to three. I choose to give life and blessing with my words. I choose to give life and blessing with my words. That's really the bottom line. It's the only path that's consistent with being a mouth that praises the Father. We need to be a blessing to those that reflect the Father's glory. That's you and me, all right? There's a lot of data here. But at least there's enough for you to get a little humble and to recognize that what's broken in your conversation starts with what's broken in you. And ask God to heal it. Lord, reveal to me any hidden darkness in my life, the psalmist wrote. That's the beginning of the path to pure communication. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the opportunity to share this. I'm grateful for the lessons learned about it in my life, but also so aware that I'm on a journey in this as well, wanting so much to be better at slowing my judgment down, speeding up my listening, reacting in a way that gives blessing in life. Father, that's what we want. I pray we would be, as James challenged us, peacemakers, peacemakers by how we respond to one another this week. In Jesus' name, amen.